Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I am working on a long-term assignment, and it is beginning here in uh, what the Lord spoke to me in October. The Lord spoke to me in October of this past year that we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. We're entering a season that will require the walk of faith. That's not for us to fear because the walk of faith is what we're designed to walk. The just shall live by faith. Amen? And he gave me a scripture from the book of Joshua, and it's the scripture in uh, Joshua chapter 3, where they, verse 4, were about to enter into the promised land. And he tells them, you need to be able to keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the moving of the Spirit of God. Keep your eyes, keep it at a distance so that you can see the ark because you're going somewhere you've never been before. And we're going somewhere that we've never been. That's a good thing. God's leading us into the promises. He's leading us into the protection. He's leading us into to the stable life, the good life that he's prearranged and made ready for us to live, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified says. He's leading us into that, but we're not going to get it through reasoning. We're not going to see it all through if, if we don't train ourselves to follow him. And so he says, you're going somewhere you've never gone before, and I want you to be able to enter into this. And so he gave us five specific things to focus on. Number one, he said, know the leading with a certainty. Know how God leads you so that it doesn't take you two days, two weeks, two months to determine, was that God or was that the pizza I ate last night? What was that? Is that me or is that the Lord? We want to know how God leads us because we want to be instant in our obedience. We want to be quick to obey him. We want to respond. And I, I remember one of the things I, I still pray is, Lord, Lord, help me to be immediately uh, respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I immediately respond in faith to the promptings of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm conditioning my spirit so that when he prompts me, uh, my spirit already knows. I immediately respond in faith to the guidance, the promptings of the Holy Spirit inside of me. So that's what he said. He said, I want you to be certain about my leading. The next thing he said was to practice obedience, to practice obedience. We talked a little bit about that on a Wednesday night recently when I was here in that obedience. Every time they gave that continued obedience, the glory of God fell. The two times in the preparation of the temple when, when it says the glory of God fell, it was preceded by they did all that God had said to Moses. They did all that, uh, that the Lord had instructed Moses. When, when they obeyed, the glory fell. Amen? That was that, that to see that and how it plays together gives us encouragement because as we walk in this obedience to God, he responds to that obedience. The third thing he said was develop humility and the love walk. They're connected. The humility, it's hard to walk in love without the humility. <laughs> and I found if you'll develop the humility uh, when you begin to see what love in action looks like from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, there's a lot in that description that, is, that describes humility. So love doesn't vaunt its own way. It doesn't demand its rights. Love doesn't... Uh, um, um, have, have uh, is not self-centered, it's not self-seeking, the Amplified says, right? That's humility. And so practice humility and or develop humility and the love, love walk. He said the fruit of the Spirit is vital. 
The fruit of the Spirit is vital. So number one, know the leading with the certainty. Number two, practice obedience. Number three, develop humility and the love walk. Number four, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. Vital speaks of life because a vital sign or a vital statistic is something that reflects life. And so the fruit of the Spirit is life. And then he said this, the trust in God, his ways and his word are safeguards. The trust in God, his ways, God, his ways, his words, three different aspects of our trust. And this is a safeguard to us. And the Lord put in my heart to give that our attention today, trusting in him, because it's not automatic. To trust in God is, uh, th there are some components involved in that trusting in God. We've got to know him. You can't trust in someone you don't know. You've, it's not just memorizing the scripture. You've got to know him. You've got to know his character. You know, the character of God is so above, is so set apart from anybody you've ever met that I've ever met on this planet because there are some characteristics of who God is that we don't know anybody else like that. For once, it says that God is unchangeable. I've never met an unchangeable person until I met God. Amen. He's unchangeable. He, he, is, he is the same. The Bible says that in him there's no variation or there's uh, no shadow of turning, the book of James says. In other words, God's not going to have a bad day tomorrow. You're never going to catch God having a bad day. Like, oh, is this, have you ever seen, you know, maybe at an office place or, or something, they come to the secretary and they say, is this a good day for me to go in? We never have to check with the angel. Is this a good day for me to go to the throne today because I don't want to catch God when he's on a bad day, right? So God, he never changes. He's the same. He is always good. He is always love. God is love. He, we've got to know his character to be able to trust him. So let's talk about trust first. Let's kind of come into this with some basics. With, how about we start with a definition? And I'm going to use the Old Testament word for trust. It means in the Old Testament, Strong's Concordance, uh, to confide or set your hope or confidence on. To confide or set one's hope and confidence on or upon. It comes from a root word, the Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament, the root of it. The word they use to develop this word trust means to hide for refuge. I like that. To hide for refuge, to be confident, sure, bold, or secure, to feel safe or free from care. I'll repeat that. So the Old Testament word for trust is to confide or to set your hope and confidence upon. It comes from a root word that means to hide for refuge. Doesn't that make you think of Psalm 91? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, verse 1. The secret place of the Most High. That's our dwelling place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then all of the rest that comes out of that psalm, all of the rest of it is linked to where we are. This is our refuge. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will. Oh, why? Because I'm dwelling in Him. I've entered into this place where I'm hiding for a refuge. It, just live there in Him and you're always safe. Live there in Him to hide for a refuge, to be confident, sure, bold, or secure, to feel safe or free from care. To feel safe or free from care. So when we look here at this word, I want you to have this definition as we go through some of these scriptures. I want you to realize that when we're talking about trusting in the Lord is that I'm living in a place where he has surrounded me, where he is 
I'm, I'm in him, and so I am trusting because I'm safe in him. When we look, let's begin in Psalm 34, 8. Psalm chapter 34. And verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Blessed is the man. So by trusting in him, I automatically, I'm automatically put in that place where I am blessed. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Same chapter, verse 22. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate, or we could say destroyed. None who trust in him, verse 22, will be desolate. The Lord redeems us, and none who trust in him will be destroyed. So because trust is not automatic, trust is something that I have to develop, something I have to give specific attention, I have to gain knowledge and I have to gain experience with who God is, knowing his character, knowing his ways. Remember it says trust in God, his ways and his word. These are safeguards. You know what safeguards are? Those protections, they're the bumpers on the road to keep you from going into the ditch. They're the, the safeties on your life to keep the wrong decisions or the wrong responses to things uh, from happening. And so we need to have this trust purposefully developed in our life. We've got to go specifically to the scripture with an attitude of, I need to get better at this. I need to grow in this. I need to learn how to trust him. So back up to Psalm 31. Because we see that the person who trusts in the Lord is blessed. The person who trusts in the Lord will not be destroyed. Psalm chapter 31 and verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I, I put my trust. I put. So trust is... Now in my court, trust is the ball in my court, so to speak. Trust is the responsibility. It's my choice. God's not going to make us trust him. He can't make us trust him. Trust is not something God can make us do. We have to choose to trust. We have to put our trust in God. And the more you practice putting your trust in God, the easier it gets. The more you practice it, the more that you recognize, wait, that's an area that I'm not trusting God in. Have you ever discovered that there can be certain things that you, you, you know, I can't do it, so I'm going to trust God. And then other things you said, I'm going to hold on to that one. I can do this one on my own. You know, sometimes in dealing with our children, we pull it all into our, our let, me, let me fix it, God. You know, I, I've had times that God has said, I want you to cast that on me. Let me, give me that. And, and I, I'm, I would hand it to him and take it back. <laughs> I heard the story about this little girl. She had gone to the fair and she had gotten the little cheap necklace uh, that they pull off the spool and attach an end to it, you know, for a quarter. And she said she just loved that necklace and so she would she would play in it. She would sleep in it. She took her bath in it. And before long, that little cheap necklace, it had those little knots in it. And it was that little thin, so it was easy to get knotted. And so she was there with her little child fingers trying to undo the knots. And her mother said, here, hand it to me. And her mother took an, a needle, a straight pin or a needle, and began to untie the knots with that needle. And the little girl was so excited that by the time her mama had almost got that knot out, she was like, oh, okay, and she would grab it back from her and try to, and then have it knotted right back up. And her mother said, if you'll just leave it with me. Isn't that what God is saying to some of us sometimes? If you'll just leave it with me. If you'll just get, cast your care upon me. If you'll let me, if you'll trust me in this and let me work that out for you. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we just want to grab it back and say, oh, I'm so, we got it now. We got it now. I can do it from here. And God wants us to learn how to put our trust in him and how to maintain, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm not going to enter over into worry. Why? Because I'm trusting God. I'm not going to fear the what ifs and all the questions. Why? Because I'm trusting God. God's going to help me. And so this says, in you, Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Does this sound like somebody who needs God's help? Deliver me speedily, right? Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. So if I'm trusting in him, I'm trusting in my decision making. I'm trusting in the direction that I'm taking in my life. If I'm trusting God, I'm looking to him. I am seeking his input into my situation. Why? I need God's help. So he says, in all of these areas, guide me, lead me. I'm trusting in you. Pull me out of the net they've laid secretly for me. So there's some adversity in this person's life. There are things that are set up to take them out. That the, that the enemy has come and tried to, to set up ambushments against them. Things in their life that they're having to walk through. And he says, pull me out of the net they've laid secretly for me. For you are my strength. Now this next verse might seem familiar to you. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Where have we heard that before? Where have we heard? Who used that verse? Jesus on the cross as he is preparing to give up his life. The moment before he let go of his life and yielded to death, he is saying, I trust God to raise me back. Like, I'm not dying never to be seen again. I am dying, but I'm trusting God in my death because I won't be dead for long. Into your hand I commit. Circle that in your Bible. Underline that. Mark that in some way because trust is just that. That's the greatest expression or, or way to see trust in manifestation, it's a commitment. It's not something that just while I'm, I'm holding on, it's not something just to make me feel better. It's a commitment. I trust in the Lord. I trust in you. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. So we've seen, I put my trust, I commit my spirit. Now go on, the rest of the next few verses, it goes on and we see descriptions of the cross. So we know this is a, a psalm that by the Holy Spirit, David was picking up things that Jesus would go through on the cross. And so it would be referred to as a messianic psalm or a prophetic psalm. But this psalm, he, he is in this psalm talking about the difficulty, talking about the hardships, talking about the pain. And then I want to look at, he goes through all of these things. Let me just go ahead and read it. I've hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities. You have not shut me up in the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of my iniquities and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all my enemies. Is that something Jesus experienced on the cross? 
as they spit on him and ridiculed him. I was a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors and a fear to my acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mine. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. So we see the adversity that he's having to to exhibit this trust in. But notice the next verse starts with this, this conjunction. But. And when you hear a nevertheless or but or yet... It takes everything you just heard and sets it off to that's not nearly as important to what I'm about to say. I went through that and they did all that and they said all that and I have experienced all of this pain and all of this difficulty, but I trusted in you, O Lord. And notice this, I said, because trust, that commitment of trust it needs to have that verbal expression in our life. Your, your, your life needs to hear you declaring, I'm trusting in the Lord. Yes. The atmosphere around you needs to be charged with words of, I'm trusting God. God's going to help me. He's not going to let me fall. He's not going to let this go the way they're saying it's going to go. God is for me. He is not against me. He is for me and he is on my side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? So the atmosphere needs to be charged with, com- with that commitment so that, it, so that when the adversity comes, the enemy's not able to get access to your head. The reason he gets access to many people's head is because they're not talking enough. If you're talking, that, that is a sword of the spirit of a resistance. When we're speaking the word out of our mouth, the enemy backs up. He doesn't want to get cut with that. He doesn't want to get stabbed with that. He doesn't want to get sliced with that. If you've got the word going, keep it in your house. That's why when I leave the house, we say, Alexa, shuffle songs by David Engel. Shuffle songs by Morris Chapman. And all day long, my dog is getting to hear the worship, but my atmosphere is charged. Amen? I want, the, I, I want it in my, my car with me. I want the atmosphere in my car to be charged with the word. Why? Because I don't want the enemy having access to come against my mind. If he's coming against my mind, I need to open my mouth. The only way he can keep coming is if I stay silent. If I open my mouth, he has to, that's the resistance. If I resist, he flees. And the resistance is in the spoken word. You can't resist the enemy's attack against your mind with thoughts. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. Jesus gave us the example. Every time Satan came against him with the thought, if you are the son of God, he opened his mouth and he said, it is written. He didn't think it. He spoke it. And out of his mouth, he drew a sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit is your sword too. You have the same sword. You don't have like a weak little cheaply made generic form of the sword of the Spirit. The sword in your mouth is the same sword in Jesus' mouth today. The same sword that Jesus... So if you'll speak the word of I trust God, then things will begin to fall in line and come into obedience to that declaration because I've made a declaration. I've made a quality decision. And that quality decision is I trust God. I trust God. Even if I didn't do everything right that I needed to do, God will still help me. He will even make my mistakes to prosper if I will stay in trusting in Him, if I will stay with that commitment to trust God. When the difficulty is piling on, that is not the time to unhook from trusting Him. It's the time to be even more committed. Oh, oh, oh. Though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, what am I going to do? I'm going to trust in the Lord. He is near who justifies me. That trust in God is a lifeline. He said to us it's a safeguard. 
So I can't just, just let that be something I try to do every once in a while. Well, I'm just going to, we're just, here, here's, here's why I say that. Because you'll hear somebody talk about a difficulty going on in their life. Not you, somebody else, right? And they'll talk about this difficulty that they're going through. And, they'll, and then they'll, 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 they'll give all the detail of the difficulty. And how, how it's passed on. Maybe, maybe it's a sickness. And, and, and so-and-so had it. And this other person. And, and, I know, and, and they go through all these reports of how it affected other people. And how this played out, and they, you know, I went online and I found something, and, and they, they give you the Google WebMD version. And then they go through all of these things, and then they say, but I'm just going to trust in the Lord. As if that's, you know, my last resort. Well, we're just, what are you going to do? After they go through all that, what are you going to do? Oh, well, I guess we'll just trust in the Lord. But did you remember the definition? Can we go back to our definition? What is trust? To confide. To set your hope and confidence. So if if my confidence is in him, I'm going to be more like Jehoshaphat in 1 Chronicles chapter 20. You know, Jehoshaphat, he was surrounded on, on, on every hand, all of these enemies had come against, and it was like a three-pronged attack from three different armies that had come against them. And they, they, in their own strength, had no way, no way they were ever going to be able to win a victory against all of this heavy artillery coming against them in themselves. And so Jehoshaphat says, get everybody together. We're going to seek God. And he comes before God and he says, aren't you the God of all creation, the God of heaven and earth? Aren't you the God whose mighty right hand delivered the people out of Egypt? Aren't you? He's not talking about the armies. He's not talking about the difficulty. He said, aren't you the God who, who is, there's no might and strength and ability like yours? And didn't you give us this land? I think you're the one who gave us this land. You're the one who brought us out. And you're the one who gave this property, this real estate, to the descendants of Abraham. And aren't you the one who said, if we ever find any area that we are in trouble that we can come to you isn't that what you said we can come to you well lord these people these moabites ammonites these people they're coming against us but our eyes are on you so in that prayer we see who he's really confident in he's confident in god He's trusting in God, not emphasizing the difficulty. Not em- because if I've got God, if I'm confident that God is for me, who cares that they haven't found a treatment? Amen. If God's for me, who cares if, if all these other people lost whatever, if God is for me? I need to give my emphasis, my focus to the confidence in him. And so that's why you've got to, you've got to separate your thoughts. And you've, the Bible says you're supposed to take every thought captive. Are we doing that? Don't raise your hand. Are we doing that? But ask yourself, am I taking every thought captive? Am I doing that? Am I taking, and, and if you're taking every thought captive, you'll have to be diligent if you go to Facebook. You say, I'm not looking at anybody, I'm looking up. Because I have found just in not intending to, I see, I have thoughts presented to me that I don't want, and I, it's just easier to go through the, to post my things through that automatic post uh, the meta planner thing so that I don't have to see any other garbage 
I'll have to look at, at things I don't want to see that pop up. I'm like, I didn't want to know that. And I didn't want to see that. And then I have to spend extra time casting down imaginations and taking thoughts captive. Praise the Lord. That was extra. That was, that's, you're welcome. You're welcome. Am I, am I taking my thoughts captive? Because if I'm trusting in the Lord, I'm not going to let just everything come into my mind. I'm not going to entertain thoughts that speak against him or what he promised he is doing in my life. If I'm trusting in him, there, there are things that I've got to separate in my thought life. I've got to separate from those things. I've got to, I've got to choose wisely what I allow entrance into my mind. Do you know what Jesus said in the parable of the sower about worry? He said, entering in, they choked the word. Entering in, they choke the word. Well, if those thoughts never enter, they'll never choke. I'm supposed to stop the entrance of wrong thoughts that come against my trust in God, that come against my trust in his help in this situation. I've got to stop those thoughts. If I'm just allowing every old, old wrong thought entrance then I'm either pulling a lot of weeds or I'm having some of the word choked out that I might not even be aware of is getting choked out. If I'm not being diligent to go to God and saying, God, what am I sensing? What is, what, I remember something would happen and 20 minutes before I realized how that aggravated me. Maybe it was a phone call that came in and somebody said something. And 20 minutes later, I'm in the kitchen banging pots and pans and wondering, what has made me so mad? Why am I, why am I banging these pots and pans? What's going on in there? Oh, nothing. I'm like, what has bothered me? And I had to recognize, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something that that person said on that phone call rubbed me the wrong way or, or caused me to worry about something or, or they brought something to my attention that I wasn't aware of and now I'm over here worrying about it. And I had to recognize it entered in and I didn't even realize it was worry or it was bothering me until I heard the noise of the pots and the pans. <laughs> until my husband said, what's going on in there? Wait, wait, wait. That should not happen. That should not happen. He said the weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking into captivity every thought. Every thought. Can you take every thought captive? Yes. And it doesn't, it's not hard. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. If, you, if you'll recognize when a thought, if a person is just allowing un, unsupervised entrance of all thoughts, if you're sitting in front of the TV allowing unsupervised entrance, if you're scrolling through the Facebook allowing unsupervised entrance of all thoughts into your thought life, then it might be a little bit more difficult. But if you're saying, wait, 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 I'm not going to watch that because I know what it's going to do. I'm not going to watch that, that documentary about that murder case because I know it's going to affect me when my husband is out of town and I'm alone in the house. I'm not going to watch that documentary. I'm not going to watch that fear-filled thing or that because the thoughts that are seeded, every thought has a purpose behind it. The enemy wants to seed the believers with thoughts that will choke out the word. Thoughts that will bring darkness in and, and, and hinder from us walking in the light. So we've got to be on guard against thoughts that are going to compromise the integrity of the word harvest we're working on. If we're working on something, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
I have spent too much time trying to build that for you to come in here and tear that down. I spent too much time trying to, to get this in order for you just to come in and, and knock down my Legos. Right? That's what the word in Mark 11 means. It means you will Lego, you will speak, you will diagram it. It's, it is the Greek word Lego. You will say to this mountain, you'll Lego to that mountain. I'm diagramming something right now. I am, I am setting a course with my mouth. I've been speaking this. I've been calling the end from the beginning. I've been praying for God to send laborers across their path. I've been praying for the light to come. I'm not going to allow the enemy to bring in thoughts that are going to tear it out from the inside out. Hallelujah. So are we taking our thoughts captive? Because trusting in God, there are components. Remember I said there are some components to trusting in God. It's not just, hey, I'm going to trust God today. No, for me to trust God, I've got to know him. I've got to spend time with him in his word. How do I spend time with God? This is God's word to you, to me. This is, this is how we come to know him. I, when, I, when I first got saved, I thought y'all were crazy. I thought all these church people go around saying the Lord spoke to me. I'm like, are you kidding me? What? God spoke to you. What? And then after a while, I'm like, so how does that work? You know, if, if God's speaking to y'all, I need some help here because I'm trying to put everything back together in my life. I'm like the Humpty Dumpty that sat on the wall. You know, I've got everything in my life has fallen apart. I've got to get custody of my kids back. I've, got to, I've never had a real job in my life. I've got to have a real job. I've got to have, have a car that's not stolen. I didn't steal the car, but I couldn't drive it anymore because it was stolen, so I couldn't tag it. I've got to put everything together here. And if y'all are hearing from God, I need some inroad to this thing. Y'all give me this hotline number you're calling. And so they would say, you know, uh, well, the, yeah, I was just praying the other day and I felt like the Lord was directing me to do this. And, and so finally I began to ask people, how do y'all hear from God? How do you hear from God? And, and most of the people in the church couldn't give me a direct answer that was understandable. It was just kind of like, well, you know, you just open up your heart. When you get done praying and making all your petitions, I tried it too. Get done praying, then you just sit there. You know, and I heard my neighbors arguing two houses down. <laughs> I'm trying to hear God. And all I hear is through the, you know, paper-thin walls of that cheap apartment I was living in. And so I'm like, I, this isn't working. Like, I'm trying to hear God. And my pastor's wife, she's my mother-in-law today, she said to me, open up the book and learn to hear him here. Learn to hear him here because this is God speaking to you. This is, this is not just a book about God. This is God speaking to you. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God, John chapter 1. The same was in the beginning with God. So learn to hear him in his word. And, if you, and she said this, if you'll learn to recognize his voice in the word, then the enemy won't be able to deceive you if you hear something else. You'll recognize him when he speaks to you in, uh, in your heart because you'll reckon you've already been listening to him. And you know, that was so true. Because a few days later, I, I, I began to, to work on that. And I would say a few days. It wasn't very much longer after that that I um, had a phone call from the family of my uh, late husband. And, you know, he had passed away of the drug overdose and... and uh, uh, I overdosed after that and, and almost died and gave my life to God. And so uh, they called me because somebody had broken in and stolen his remains. And they thought it was me. And they said, we're coming to kill you tonight. And they were good shots. I mean, they, they, could, they, they carried. And they, when they aimed, they didn't miss. And I'm sitting up there, only been saved a, a little while. I'm like... 
hey, I was in church tonight. I didn't steal anything. I wasn't at your house. I didn't break in your house. I was at church. Like, We're, we know you have it. We're coming to kill you. We're going to kill you. And so I'm sitting there, and the people who had allowed me to stay in their house, they're like, oh, they don't even know where we live. Don't worry about it. I'm like... I don't know. You know, they knew that I came to this to the church, and they they know people from your church. They're like, they don't know where we live. Come on, just go to sleep. So they went on to their room, and I'm sitting there on the couch with my little pillow and my blanket, and and I'm like, how can I sleep? How can I sleep when these people are? And every time a car would come by, I'm listening to see if it stops to pull in the driveway. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. And so I thought, what am I going to do? And so that little 25 cent Bible I had that I bought from the thrift store, I propped it open and it opened up and he said, here it is. Chapter 51, verse 12. It popped up. the, uh, It just jumped up off the page. It was like this one verse stood up in, in, in a clear, uh, uh, like a way that it was like somebody was shining the light on it. And he said, I, even I, am he that comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man that shall die? I just shut my Bible and said, I'm going to sleep. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. God spoke to me through his word. And I learned how to go to the word and let the word be God speaking to me. And then as I grew and God needed to tell me something specific that there might not be chapter and verse for, when he began to speak to me, it was the same way that the word spoke to me. I recognized his voice when he spoke in me because he'd been speaking in me through his word. It's not a different voice that he uses in us. That, that And so... What a benefit when we allow his word to help us recognize what's coming into our life that's not from him. If we're going to take thoughts captive, we've got to take them captive to the obedience of Christ. That's what it says. So we take the thought captive by analyzing the word. And the Holy Spirit does not leave you on your own to make you figure out, is that from God or is that whatever? When the word comes in, if it's, a, if it's not from God, you will hear danger, Will Robinson, danger. You'll have that alarm system go off that says, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't listen to that. Back off of that. Turn that channel. Turn that off. Open your mouth and answer that. Right? And so... Praise God, for us to trust in God, there are components that need to work together. And part of that is being established on his word so that he can speak to us in that situation. Let's, let's take it one step further in the little bit of time that I have left. Hallelujah. Because there are things that God has for us that can only be received in a trusting heart. There are things that can only be received if trust is engaged. If we're not trusting, he can't get it to us. There are some things he can't get to us if we're not trusting. He wants to, but it's not automatic. The things, these provisions of God. And, you know, it recently came to me. I was discussing a book. Has anybody ever heard the book, heard of the book, or read the book? by Jackie Mize called Supernatural Childbirth. Have you ever read that book? You ever read that book? Jackie, Terry Mize's uh, wife, uh, she, this book, Supernatural Childbirth, she was told that she could never have children. As, I mean, and so before they married, she told him, now listen, we're in love and you want to marry me, but the doctors have said I can never have children. And he said, he said, well, who are they? Who are they to tell you you can't have children? She said, well, the, the, the doctors, you know, the doctors. And, and because of this that had happened or, or whatever, uh, she said, I'll never have children. And, and he said, no, that's not what the word says. And so he took her to the word and uh, he, he began to explain to her, that's under the curse and you're redeemed from the curse. And he, he preached it to her and so she believed it. 
And she believed, okay, I'm, even though the doctors have told me that all of my life, and even though whatever had happened in her youth, whatever it was that had caused that, she's like, I'm redeemed from that, so I believe I can. And not only that, he preached the, redemptive of the redemption from the curse to the point that you don't even have to suffer pain in childbirth. She's like, I'll take that too. And so she believed it. And guess what happened? She had children. I think they ended up with three children and no pain in her childbirth. Amen. Because she believed it. Amen. Do you know why it happened? Because she believed it. Amen. Do you know why it worked for her? Because she believed it. So she wrote it in a book. She took these same scriptures that she had stood on and the same experiences that she had experienced with God. She wrote it in a book and began to share it. And Lindsay Roberts... Wrote, writes in the foreword of this book how this teaching, they had actually started with a CD. She had taught it somewhere, and this teaching had gone around. Oral, uh, uh, um, Richard Roberts' wife, Lindsay Roberts, she writes the foreword of the book and gives her testimony of how it worked for her. It's, this book is full of all of these testimonies of people who got the teaching, and you know what? Because they believed it. It worked for them. And so there's things that if we'll believe them, They'll work for us. Amen. If we're not believing them, God can't make it work for us. It's ours. It belongs to us. It's our benefit. But for it to work, there has to be an activation on our part. For it to work in our life, we've got to believe it. And there are some aspects of God's provision that will only work when we're trusting in Him. Trusting is a form of faith. It's a form of believing. It's that commitment of our faith. And so... Let's look first at Jeremiah 17, verse 7. And give me amplified on the screen, if you would. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed with spiritual security is the man or woman who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. That person is blessed, right? Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord, for he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters. Why am I nourished like a tree planted by the waters? Because I'm trusting. The trust is the connection to the nourishment. The faith is the connection to the nourishment. So with a break in that faith, or a break in that trust, there's going to be a disconnect from the supply, the nourishment. It says, he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters. You may have heard pastor tell this story, or I, I may have told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it bears repeating. We, a few years back, there was a very hot summer here in this region and pastor and I we walked every day at the Shawnee Mission Park and we like to take a certain trail around the park that brought us around where that the lake is there and uh, towards the end of where that lake is there's that big tree over where and then next you'll have the playgrounds and the there's a, a baseball diamond over there but where that tree is that, that one tree is, is a huge tree, probably hundreds and hundreds of years old, right there by that water. Well, we were walking along the path, and as we were walking, it was June, maybe the end of June, almost July. We were walking along that path, and the leaves had fallen off all of these trees in the path. And I'm like, it's June. Why do we have trees shedding their leaves in the middle of June. And he said, there hasn't been enough water. And so for the leaves to survive, they have to drop. For the trees to survive, they have to drop their leaves. They have to shed their leaves because they can't support them. They can't hold on to them. And so we've gone through this, through the park, through what they call Walnut Grove and walking around that area and just stepping on piles and piles of leaves in the end of June. And then we come down over the hill and there's that tree planted by the water. All of its leaves are in place. Green and vibrant and strong. There's no piles of leaves underneath that tree. 
because it could afford to hold on to everything. <laughs> it, could, it didn't have to drop one leaf. Why? Because it had a nourishment those other trees didn't have. It had a supply those other trees didn't have. And you have a supply that everybody else may not be accessing, but you have a supply so that you don't have to have the same experience that other people are having because you have a different source. You have a nourishment. You're connected to a nourishment that will give you the wisdom and give you the strength and give you the ability to stand and give you the, the uh, anointing to be able to deal with that situation. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that trusts. Blessed is the, the man whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. He will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes. We will not fear. You put in the, fill in the blank. Whatever the circumstance may be, I won't fear it. I'll face it, but I won't fear it. I'll walk through it, but I won't fear it. I'll overcome it, but I won't fear it. Why? Because why? if I'm confident in him, I won't. fear is not an option. I won't fear the circumstance. That's another whole component. We're going to have to spend some time on that one because too many believers, not you, those other believers, too many believers allow fear as if it's, it's just natural. Not to me, not to you. Not to your born-again spirit. Your born-again spirit, it, it's like diesel in the gas engine. Going to clog that engine up. Going to burn that engine up. If you put diesel in the gasoline engine, you put fear in your heart. Right. It, it destroys. Amen. I know you're seeing the bus, right? Because we had a bus. That somebody pulled up to the engine down here after we had dropped all the people off that we had bust in from the, the, the Missouri that day. And they pulled up to the, the gas tank and filled our gasoline engine with the diesel. Because we had a diesel bus and we had a gasoline. And that bus driver forgot which bus he was driving that day. And that bus sat on the edge of the road for a long time. Y'all might have passed it going from 10 Highway. Was that the one we gave you? We gave it away to somebody who lived in the bus. And y'all might have been driving by on 10 Highway and said, there's that bus that says Faith Builders on it. Always take the sign off the bus if you give it to somebody. Because everybody, we got all that free advertising, but I don't think it was the advertising we wanted. Have mercy. Why? All because he put diesel. In the gasoline engine, don't put fear in your faith engine. Your faith engine is not designed to, to allow fear to, to go through its uh, uh, um, uh, carburetor. That's the word I'm looking for. Your internal carburetor will not allow that diesel, that fear to go through it. So nourished because we're trusting Receiving our supply, we will not fear the heat, but our leaves will be green and moist, and it will not be anxious and concerned. Say that with me. I will not be anxious. Say it again. I will not be anxious or concerned. Hallelujah. Even in a year of drought. Why? Because that drought's not affecting me if I'm trusting. So that is only, the supply is through the trust. Without the trust, I can't access the supply. The trust is what connects me to the flow of that nourishment of that in my life. Psalm 31, let's go back to Psalm 31. I think I looked at it earlier, but I want a different verse out of that chapter. Psalm 31, let's look at verse 19. We're looking for things specifically that are connected to trust. Supplies, provisions that are connected to our trust. 31, 19. Oh, how great is your goodness. The Hebrew word for goodness means prosperity. Good things. 
That's the definition from the Hebrew, Strong's Concordance. Good things. How great are the good things? And you know another one? Property. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, real estate. Property. How great is your good things, your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you, which you have wrought or worked for them that trust in you. Who is this for? Who are these this great things, this goodness of God? Who is it for? The trust, the trusting bunch. That's us. Amen. That's me and you. We're the trusting bunch. We are those who trust in the Lord. And these are the this is who he worked these things for. He says, the, the things you have wrought or worked or prepared for them that trust in you. So my trust qualifies me for these things God has prepared. My trust qualifies me for the goodness of God. Amen? All right, Psalm 32. While we're here in this vicinity, go over to 32.10. And I'm just pulling a few. There's so much in the book of Psalms that apply to this, but let's just pull out some major ones. So we've seen that supply. We've seen the prosperity of God. 32.10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked... But he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Can you show me amplified? Does it say anything different in the amplified? Mercy, compass, the, the mercy of God like a, a shield. It says, uh, he who trusts in, relies on, and confidently leans on the Lord shall be compassed about with mercy and with loving kindness. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. That's surrounded with this mercy of God. Surrounded with this loving kindness of God. That's a protection to our lives. And then Psalm 125 is one that I have, uh, it, it, I have a special place in my heart for this and others that promise me this because my life before Christ was so unstable that one of the most important things to me when I found Jesus was Make my life stable. I don't want to be up and down, in and out, here and there. I don't want there to be chaos in my life all the time. I want a stable life. And Psalm 125.1 says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Sion, which cannot be removed. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about right there. Make that, Lord, let that be unto me according to your word. Let that scripture be manifest in my life. That's been my prayer for years. I cannot be moved. Why? Because the enemy wants to move us. He wants to move us with how it looks. He wants to move us with how it feels. He wants to make us change what we're believing based on what we're experiencing. But we're not authorized to do that. We're not authorized to change our believing. And the way that we stay in that constant faith is by trusting in him. They that trust in the Lord cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Will be like Mount Sion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. Hallelujah. I want that anchor in my life. I want that established life that comes from trusting in God. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. If you would, please just take this moment. Hallelujah. Lord, we submit our lives to you and we ask you Lord that you would teach us how to trust you even more than we trust you today wherever we are in our level of trust Father we desire to expand in it we desire to be established in that trust, to put our trust in you. So, Father, I ask that you would show each and every one of us the areas in our life, those components that we need to shore up, that we need to make adjustments in. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, that's the first adjustment that needs to be made. I want to give an opportunity today to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you and you would say, Pastor Michelle, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord. I need his help in my life.
Would you just lift your hand right where you are? And I want to pray with you today to make sure that you experience Jesus in his fullness as your Lord, that you know the freedom that comes. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That you would know his liberty in your life today. That's you. And you would say, I need to know Jesus as my Lord. I need to accept him as my Savior and what he did for me on the cross. I need to accept his blood that we were singing about today to cleanse me. If that's you and you would say, Michelle, I need to know Jesus, just lift your hand. Everybody confident in your walk with God. Father, I pray for your light to shine upon our paths and that you would give us the, the specific diagram to build our trust the areas that pertain to our life, the areas where we might be missing certain uh, um, decisions, where we might be holding on to things that we should trust you in. Lord, I pray for that wisdom to come to each and every person today. In Jesus' name, amen.